0: Mark chapter 7, and we're picking it up at verse 24, reading through verse 30 and considering this breathed out word of God to us this morning, that God in his own providences has led us to. For those of you visiting, we are uh, making our way through uh, the gospel of Mark. This evening we'll continue on in our series in the book of Job after which we'll be starting a series on the Good Shepherd as well. Mark chapter 7, then this morning, verses 24 through 30. Let us hear the very words of God to us today. And from there he arose and went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And he entered a house and did not want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. But she answered him, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, For this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. And she went home and found the child lying in bed, and the demon gone. Thus far the reading of God's word. Let's again ask for God's blessing. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come to you again this morning just in awe of you. Lord, we have seen your promises fulfilled with the baptism and the professions. We have had opportunity to bring our gifts to you. We have heard from your word, and Lord, as we read in there, that you could not be hidden. Lord, help that to be the witness in each of our lives, that you living in us cannot be hidden. We pray that you'll be with Pastor Bob now as he expounds on these words and that we will listen attentively and apply these truths to our hearts and lives for your honor and your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to look at and consider three things from this passage this morning. First of all, the fact that there is a connection, a connection from this passage to where we were last Lord's Day morning. Secondly, There is an exchange that takes place. There is this conversation between Jesus and the woman that perhaps for us is somewhat clouded in mystery, but actually is very clear as to what is happening and taking place. And then thirdly, the fact that there is a great discovery to be found in these few verses of God's word as well. So a connection and exchange and the discovery. Last Lord's Day morning, for those of you who were here, you'll recall that we were dealing with the first part of chapter 7 of Mark, in which there is this question of what makes a person unclean? We were confronted with the fact that the disciples had not ceremonially washed their hands before eating, and this became a major point, a major bone of contention between the Pharisees who have come to test Jesus and this rabbi. Jesus asserts to them very plainly the fact that what makes something unclean or someone unclean are not external circumstances, but that evil, uncleanness, comes from one's own heart, from one's soul. That we are indeed depraved individuals. We are sinners in our own beings. It is not the externals that make us sinful. It is the internal, who we are. Sinners, conceived and born in sin, as Scripture says. Now, Jesus moves. You'll note how the text began. And from there, he arose. In other words, Jesus is making an intentional move. We are going somewhere with an intent, with a purpose. This is not just meandering. This is not just getting in the car and let's go for a Saturday afternoon drive somewhere see where we end up Jesus is focused there is a particular reason and a purpose we are going to where we're going and it has to do with the discussion that has just taken place and the discussion and the purpose of this is not so much to somehow give some lesson to the Pharisees because they're not going but it is a lesson for the disciples It is a lesson for the woman, and it is especially a lesson for you and I. What is the connection? The previous section dealt with what makes a person unclean. Is it the externals? Jesus says no. So where do we go? The text tells us that we now journey to the region of Tyre, and Sidon. This is a place that is Gentile territory. We have left the fringes of Jewish territory, which is Galilee, and we have gone into that which undoubtedly is Gentile territory. The Pharisees from the previous section would have said, you step foot, you make one move into this territory, this region of Tyre and Sidon, you become unclean. You're going to need to wash. You're going to need to take a bath. You may have to stay in that bathtub a long time because Jesus, you've polluted yourself by stepping over this border. Now the question is, can entering in to Tyre and Sidon's territory make him Unclean. Can it make anyone unclean? And the answer Jesus has already given to us is no. But you see, that's not what the Pharisees thought. So here's the lesson to the disciples We're going to go into unclean territory, but that's not going to make you unclean. Tyre and Sidon are known as places of great wickedness. This is where the core of Baal worship began in the Old Testament. These are not places where Jews would go. Certainly not a good, upright, righteous Jew such as the Pharisees were. This is not territory to enter. Jesus is going into unclean territory. And note what happens. There we meet a woman. A nice Jewish woman living in the midst of this uncleanliness? No. We meet an unclean woman. We are told she is Syro-Phoenician. We are told she is a Gentile. All sorts of barriers the Pharisees would have put up here. Whoa, wait a minute. Matthew describes her as a Canaanite. Perhaps one of the lowest terms that could have been used by the Jews of that day. A Canaanite is, is somebody who is wicked. They are perverted. They are of no good, they are useless, they are unclean. So not only have we entered into unclean land, we're now dealing with an unclean person. The title of the fact that she is Syrophoenician, in some of your versions I believe it includes the idea that she is Greek. She has given herself over to Greek Hellenism, Greek culture, she is pagan to the core. As far as the Pharisees would consider her to be but there is something else about this woman she is a woman so not only now have we entered into unclean territory we're now dealing with an unclean person who is an unclean woman the title although we kind of repulse at it, as well we should, the title that the Pharisees would have given to this woman is dog. Dog. And probably that's the cleaned up version. She's a wild dog. She is no good. She is of no use. There is no reason she is upon earth she is unclean. But notice what Mark does. We take this even a step further. Not only is Jesus in unclean territory, talking to an unclean Gentile, talking to a woman, but he's dealing with what? A daughter. Not a son, but a daughter. See, we're we're, we're getting as low as low as low can be Who Mark tells us has what? Look at verse 25. What is her condition? She has what? An unclean spirit. She has a demon. The whole situation is being set up so that we see the connection to that which has come before. Do any of these circumstances make this woman unclean? Do any of those externals make her or her daughter unclean? From where we were last week, how would we answer the question? The Pharisees would say, yeah, we're in the lowest of hells here. You don't get no worse than this. Jesus would say, all of these things do not make her unclean. These are all externals. The question is, where is the heart? So now begins the exchange. We now see why we're there, and we see the depth that Jesus is going in the Pharisees' mind and even in the minds of the disciples. We'll come back to that in just a second. See, because even the disciples are not broke of this Pharisaical idea. This pharisaical legalism. It's got to go another step. So we carry on and exchange. Jesus, who entered the house, didn't want anyone to know, yet he could not be hidden. The light of the world is always clearly seen. And the one who is in the light of the world draws this unclean woman to himself. And notice how she comes. She comes with her request. She comes first of all and kneels. She is submitting herself. Verse 25. She came and fell down at his feet. She is humbling herself. She is begging, crying out, over and over and over. She is indeed as the persistent widow in Jesus' parable. She will not relent. She is not going to let go. Please, please. But look at the title that is given to us. Not so much here, but if we go to the Matthew passage. Matthew chapter 15, 22. She says, Lord, son of David... Have mercy on me. She acknowledges who she is. She acknowledges that he is the Messiah. Isn't this interesting? The Pharisees, who in the previous section, would never come to admit that. And they're clean. But this one who in their minds is so unclean because of external circumstances, yet has a heart that looks to Jesus and acknowledges the fact that he is the Messiah. He is the Son of David. He is the King. He is the Christ. He is the Anointed One. He is the one who has come to save his people. She acknowledges it. Please, I beg you, my little daughter is tormented by a demon. Are the Pharisees coming to Jesus? Jesus has clearly told them that the devil lives in you. Because they, Jesus said, were of their father, the devil. Are they coming to Jesus? Jesus, deliver us. Jesus, deliver our children. No. No, they're turning away from Jesus. But what's this unclean woman doing? She's turning to Jesus and looking to Jesus and saying, Jesus, please, I beg you as the one who is the Messiah, as the one who is the Savior, as the one who is coming in the name of David, please drive out this demon. The Gentile Syrophoenician dog, she comes and asks Jesus, Deliver her child. How does Jesus respond? Matthew tells us that at the beginning, he did not answer. So here's this woman, Jesus, please, 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 son of David, please, Lord, please, heal my child. Not a word from Jesus. He says nothing. But you know who does speak in the Matthew passage? The disciples. Jesus, get this woman out of here. They don't get it yet, do they? They don't understand. They're still thinking in their legalistic, they're still thinking in the pharisaical mode of things. They're still thinking the external is that which makes unclean. But then Jesus speaks. And his answer to her is this. Verse 27. Let the children be fed first. For it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Ah, He's revealing something to her. But not really, because she already understands it. Jesus is saying, look, my first responsibility of coming to this earth is to come to my own people. My first responsibility of ministry is to the Jews. It wouldn't be right for me, to take what belongs to the children and to give it to the dogs. But there is an interesting transition that's taking place here. The word that Jesus uses to describe the dog here is not the wild dogs that roam and eat the junk of the streets, those who are headed to have been in Guatemala, those of us going to Costa Rica, we know all about this. We see these things and they eat the grossest stuff there is out there. But this word is the nice little dog that sits under the table that every once in a while you take a piece of bread and feed the dog. It's the family pet, and she catches it. She gets it. Jesus put this statement out so that her faith would become a professed faith. He puts out there, there are some crumbs. I came first for my own people. And you look at the ministry of Jesus. Where is he spending all of his time? In Galilee, in Judea. This is where he is. Where does he tell his disciples? Go first to Jerusalem, to Judea, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. Then to the little dogs under the table. But she catches it. Verse 28, she answered him, Yes, Lord, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. All I want is, is a crumb. I don't want the loaf. I don't want the slice. I don't need that. But if you just give me a crumb, that is all that is needed and necessary. In essence, she is saying, I acknowledge, I am a sinner, but just one crumb from you is all I need. She's acknowledging a truth that is found in Psalm 87, where we read the following. On the holy mountain stands the city he founded, The Lord loves the gates of Zion more than all the dwelling places of Jacob. Glorious things of you are spoken, O city of God. Among those who know me, I mentioned Rahab and Babylon. Behold, Philistia and Tyre and Cush. This one was born there, they say. She knows that first of all, Christ's ministry was to the Jews. But she also knows there is a promise, a promise that God has made to those who live in Gentile lands, to those who are Syrophoenicians, to those who are Canaanites, that there will be a day when those will be washed in the blood of Christ and they will say, All our fountains are in thee, and will come with glory and praise to acknowledge the wonder and awe. God. I just want to crumb. Although oh, humility. But in her answer we discover faith. Jesus says in Matthew how great is your faith. Now, it's not that Jesus discovered that. It's not like, whoa, where did this? Wow, this is amazing. He knew it all along. That's why they're there. That's why he arose and went to Tyre and Sidon. He knows there is a woman there. He knows... She is considered unclean. He knows she has a daughter with a demon. And he knows she is a woman of faith. And to prove the point that he just made in the first part of Matthew chapter 7, that being clean is not a matter of externals, but it's a matter of the internal. He draws out this woman's faith. If you confess me before men, I will acknowledge you before my Father who is in heaven. She is acknowledging him. He's drawing out her faith. He already knows. Oh woman, great is your faith. What an amazing statement. From the one who is the sovereign Lord, the one who is the Christ, to some unnamed woman, a Syrophoenician, a Gentile, with an unclean daughter. How great is your faith! See, Jesus doesn't make it a matter of territory, or race, or ceremonial washings and cleansings or even the fact that her little girl is possessed by a demon. Jesus acknowledges faith. Faith. It is the disciples now who are the ones who discover. It is the woman now who discovers. It is we who discover that this woman, who by pharisaical standards is unclean, is a woman of faith and we see that faith in action right verse 30 and she went home why did she go home what had been happening she'd been begging and begging and begging and begging Jesus acknowledges her faith. Oh, woman, great is your faith. What does she do? She gets up and goes home. Why? Because Jesus told her, your daughter is healed. But Jesus, please heal my daughter. We'd say, where's her faith then? She's doubting. Jesus told her her daughter was healed. So she goes home. She goes home in faith. She goes home believing. She goes home trusting. She goes home with full assurance. Every step she took, she knows her daughter's been delivered from the demon. She's anticipating, not doubting. There's no need to ask anymore daughter has been made whole. See, we discover here not only faith, we discover healing, and thirdly, we discover grace. That's what this is all about. The extensiveness of God's grace. The depth of God's grace. Does anybody anybody? See the picture of what we did this morning here? What did Tim and Taylor say and acknowledge about Eli? You remember? Remember the vow or the the promise? Do you believe that our children are conceived and born in sin? Do you believe that your little Elijah is a sinner? Do you believe that? Yes. But do you also believe that God's grace extends to this child? Do you believe that not washed with external water, but washed with the regenerating blood of Christ that our children are holy in Christ yes we believe that as well see what has happened here this morning in this baptism is no different than what has taken place in this passage unclean people with the need for their unclean child coming to Jesus and acknowledging him as the only means of salvation acknowledging him as the Lord and Savior and acknowledging that Eli's only hope is not through some external circumstances and external rituals no prayers that Eli, Eli can ever say no worship services Eli can ever go to no little charcoal on his head can ever save him. The only thing is Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's what she's acknowledging. I don't deserve this Jesus. I myself am a sinner. I acknowledge I am the dog under the table. But I am under the table. I am under that covenant promise that God makes. For in that covenant promise that begins with Abraham, it's a a promise not only to his family, but it's to all those. It's to the ends of the earth. It's to the nations of the world. It's to a Syrophoenician woman. It's to Tim and Taylor. It's to Eli. God promises. And those statements that came, those questions that get answered are an acknowledgement we We're under the table. Lord, we're under the table. That which has been taught for generations and generations and generations within our families, that which grandparents have sought to instill, which great grandparents sought, which great great grandparents sought to instill, is the acknowledgement we are those under the table. but it's your table of grace. All we need is just the promise. And she went home. See, baptism is not just the coming. It's the going home. We believe what God has said. We believe what God has done. Now we go home and we live our life of faith. And we pray and we strive. To set that example of godliness and piety, we continue to place before Eli each one of our children Jesus Christ and Him crucified, so that someday, like a Robert, they stand and say, Yes! Yes! I just need a crumb! But it's your crumb I need, it's your blood. Blood that washes, blood that cleanses. A grace that is extensive so that even those that are considered by the Pharisees the unclean of the unclean of the unclean of the unclean, her child is made whole by the power of Christ. Oh, what a beautiful promise. What a perseverance. We don't read her name, but how can we forget her? A grace that is complete. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord all the days. That was the promise of Psalm 87. It's the promise she's laying claim to. And Christ says, Oh woman, great is your faith. May we someday hear from Christ that same commendation. Oh sinner, how great is your faith. But that's possible only by God's amazing grace. Father, we thank you for this promise, for this day, for this baptism, for this profession of faith, for this word that you have brought to us this day. And we would pray, Father, that if there are any here today who feel that they are too unclean, that Father, here too they may see the extent of your grace and come humbly looking to Christ alone. And for those of us, Lord, who know this grace, may this be a day, Father, of joy, of celebration, a day, Father, in which we can proclaim the greatness of. And wonder of your amazing grace to us as well. For we too were a Syrophoenician woman, but you've clothed us in the righteousness of Christ, in whose name we pray. And God's people say,